Have you ever felt like a phony or a fake or a fraud? I try to look at the, 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 the online camera when I did that, because if I looked at anyone in particular, they might be like, are you talking to me? No, 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 no. But I, I want us to think about that for a minute. Have we ever felt like that? Maybe you're feeling like that right now, depending on where you're at in your life. I get a couple examples to kind of help you think of uh, what I'm talking about. But, you know, on this, everyone sees me and they see this big, strong guy and tough guy and stuff. And that's, <laughs> thank you, Eli. And, uh, <laughs> and when they're looking at me, sometimes they're like, oh, he must be super tough. But then... Sometimes I get a little emotional, and I'll start crying. I'm like blubbering like a little baby, you know, I'm going. And then all of a sudden I start feeling phony, right? I'm like, hmm, maybe I'm not that tough, you know? Maybe I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty uh, light. And another, another example, but a little more serious I want to give you is there was a time when uh, Aaron and I, um, we went bowling um, when we were younger, and I had a couple friends there. And my one friend, uh, Tim, he was... Um, upset about the bowling lanes, right? Uh, they, they weren't greased right for some reason. I don't know if you're a bowler, you know what I'm talking about. But so his, his stuff wasn't quite rolling the way it wanted. It wasn't going down. And he got real cranky about it, okay? And when we're getting ready to leave, he decided that he wanted to take his bowling shoes home. You know, he was like, he had rented them, and he was like, I'm going to keep them. He was like, this is, this is messed up, and I'll be really upset. And I was, it wasn't my favorite thing in the world. Um, but I was okay with it. And then when we're driving home, I was driving that night, he decided, you know what, I don't really want these anyways. So he threw them out the window. And I still was just like, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, but I kind of went along with it. Now, one thing I didn't tell you was, um, I don't think, that Aaron was, did I say Aaron was there? Oh, I did say, okay, sorry. Aaron was there that night too. Okay, so we got to Tim's house. I dropped him off. And as soon as he got out of the car, Aaron turns and looks at me, and she says, go get those shoes. I said, what? And she said, go get those shoes. And I said, yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we went back in the dark, and we picked up these shoes off the side of the road, and we took them back to the bowling alley. And I went inside. I probably just said something like, oh, I slipped these in my bag or something like that. You know, I was just trying to get in and get out real quick, not make a big scene about it. But in that moment, I kind of felt a little bit like a phony, right? My wife, we were both Christians when we were at that point, you know, at that age. And she was authentic, right? She was like, no, I'm real. Like, if I'm going to be about good values, she was like, then we're not going to do that kind of thing. And also, we're going to go so far as to try and make it right when something like that happens around there. And in my heart, I was just like, oh, dang. <laughs> you know, like, I came up short, right? I, I didn't quite um, uh, feel authentic in my relationship. But when we get to these points where we're starting to feel like that, one thing I want us to understand is that we don't have to live there, right? We don't have to continue to feel that way. And I'll tell you how we can get there. See, one thing is we have to remember that God always sees the real you. You know, in that moment, I was less than, obviously, right? But God knew my heart. God knew, sorry, Aaron, you just missed a really good story, just so you know. (laughs) God knew that that didn't take away any other things. true pursuit of, of him and trying to get to know him and get closer to him. So God saw the real me. He wasn't going to let just that one mistake, uh, you know, uh, uh, judge everything. And that's the thing. God doesn't judge 
us the way that the world judges us, right? There might be people that looked at that. I think there were some other friends with us. There might have been some other friends that were like, um, hey, you must not really be a Christian because if you were, you would have done something better about it, right? And, and we can get lost sometimes in those thoughts, thinking about what somebody else might be thinking about us, right? But sometimes we need to stop and come back to the point and, and say, where are we at with God? What does he think? And does he see the real me? Well, the answer is yes. He knows you. He knows your heart. He knows where it is. And along with that, we just have to remember that in, in this uh, understanding of whether or not we're real or phony, that um, God's chosen us for a very specific purpose, right? He wants you to do something. He has some vision that's out in front of you, and that's for everyone, everyone, all right? All, there's no exceptions. And he longs for us to live in that true purpose, and he doesn't want anything to get in the way of that, right? So if we're allowing these feelings to come in um, and, and take over our minds and our hearts and take us away from that authentic relationship that he wants with us, we have to stop and realize that God doesn't want that, right? He wants to have us in our true purpose. And so there's a, uh, there's a challenge in this. To shake off the feeling of being a fake or a phony or a fraud, whatever it is, whatever level of that is that we're in. There's a couple things we have to think of first, and they're going to bring us to a choice. The choice is what I want us to think about today, but I want to make sure we kind of set the stage so we can get there the right way. The first thing is that we need to start allowing ourselves to truly hope in this wonderful vision that God has for us, right, in his purpose for our lives. And so to build hope, who should we look at? Jesus, thank you. Good, I'm glad. I'm not sure if somebody's going to it. We need to look at Jesus. So let's see what he said about um, this state, okay? So turn with me to uh, Matthew 5, 17 through 20. Um, I know a lot of times we use the NIV. I don't know what version you have, just so you know. I'm, I'm using the uh, New Living Translation today, um, but I'll let some of you guys that want to turn there get there for a second. This passage here is from Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, okay? And if you're not, if you're not as uh, aware of that, then this is like a compilation of his teachings, and it's at the heart of what he was trying to do as he was uh, going around during his time. And even this particular passage I, I want us to think about is I feel like it's one of the core points that kind of links to all the other sections that he has throughout it as well, because uh, I think it's that important. It's uh, one of the roots, I think, so to speak, that the rest of it is built off of. So read with me here in verse 17. It says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. See, at this time back then, they were really, they were looking forward to all these prophecies. They were thinking about all this different stuff, and their hope rested in this, uh, the law and, and the, um, the writings of the prophets. So he's coming and saying, I'm going to fulfill that, right? He's right off the bat. He's just saying, I am that hope. Continues. He says, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys, God, obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 
And I think in those two verses right there, we're looking at this, it's, it shows how hope should leave in, lead into action in our lives, right? He's talking about obeying and teaching. So you're going to have hope like, like they did in the word, um, in the law of Moses and the prophets, right? But then that hope, it doesn't just stop there. It's not just something you feel inside and you're like, yeah, I'm okay with it, right? We need to start living that out in action in our lives. We have to obey it. We have to follow it. We have to do it. And I like how they, uh, uh, well, obviously it's Jesus, so it's really awesome. But I like how he also says, and teach, right? It's not even just enough to do it in your own lives. It's also to make the extra step to say uh, to other people, hey, you should be doing this too because it's, it's what, um, it ties to our hope. It ties to what we need to do and to fulfill God's purpose in our lives. But then, and this is the point where I want to think about a little bit more today. This hope and this action in our lives, it brings us to another choice that we have to make. And Jesus continues in verse 20. He says, But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whew, gets a little heavy, right? He starts saying, this hope is, is great. It's going to lead to some really good actions in your life, and it's going to help out in your life in a lot of really awesome ways. But you won't see it unless there's something more. And that's what I want to focus on, this, this concept of better than. How can we really be better than the great rule followers, right? These guys, these Pharisees and um, the Sadducees and the people that really, they stuck to the word like, down to that fine little detail, like they studied it, they talked about it all the time. They didn't talk about other things. They just wanted to focus on that all the time. They walked around, they make sure other people were doing it. If they didn't seem like they were doing it, they tried to teach them. They were like really uh, annoying, <laughs> right? So, but to really get a concept of how our righteousness can be better than that, because I know I don't do that, right? I don't, I mean, I've been getting into the word more lately and studying it and trying to learn it and get it in my heart and my head and teach it to other people, but I, I haven't been like these guys, right? So how can, I, how can I be better than that? And the answer is, we're gonna talk about this in a minute, but the answer is by being an authentic follower of God's ways, which allows us to truly engage with him in a personal relationship, okay? And let me explain a little more. Um, the first thing we have to really think about in that, and Pastor kept trying, he, was, he, he does this well, the Holy Spirit does it, but God, he's trying to preach my sermon in his prayer this morning too. I'm like, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. Uh, but we need to understand righteousness, okay? It's a hard word, I think for us to get, it's a big concept. Um, so it's even hard. I was trying to, how do I explain this quick? And I was like, well, you know, I don't know that I can fully, but I'm going to give it a whirl, okay? First, there is God's righteousness, okay? That's like next level. That's uh, uh, infinity mode, as the kids would say, like with video games and stuff, right? Um, it's the perfect standard. It means no sin. He has no sin. He's perfect. He's holy, he's righteous, right? It's part of his character. He can't do anything but be righteous. It's that much in, in him, right? Now, if we remember from Genesis, 
that we're made in the image of him, then that means we should be perfectly with no sin, right, and righteousness, yeah? Yeah, I'm seeing some heads going, no, that's, it's harder, right? We should try for that, but when we really think about our lives, sometimes we're like, I'm not, right? We see where we don't have that perfect righteousness like him. And so God built in a way for the Israelites to, uh, back then, make atonement for those sins, right? They had all these laws, these practices, and, and even when they didn't follow something they messed up, they had a way to kind of fix it, make it right, and get back into that. And then by following that, they were starting to come back into that image of righteousness, right? And so that's where the Pharisees come in. You see, over time, people's righteousness became solely about the law and the rules. And it, it kind of started, the relationship side started creeping off, right? And their pursuit of what it means to be truly righteous in their hearts kind of became secondary. And so now when Jesus comes along and he says, I want your righteousness to be better than that, there's only one thing more, and that's to get it back into our hearts, to become authentic followers of him, to really want to do those rules. You know, I'm, I'm, Olivia, don't get mad at me, okay? But one thing she likes to do lately is when she's, if she uh, has been told to do something she doesn't want to do, she does a little stomp in the feet, right? Mm-hmm. You know, she learned it from me, but uh, we won't talk about that part, but, <laughs> right? So, I think in a, in a sense, sometimes in our hearts, we do the thing that we're supposed to do, right? But in our hearts, we're like, fine, I'll do it right? And we kind of act righteous, but we're not quite there. And Jesus is trying to say, you don't do that. I want the person who says, oh, wow, you're right. I'm sorry. I messed up. And then they authentically get back to a place where they say, no, I'm going to serve God and I'm going to serve him the right way and do it the right way. And the cool thing was, though, is the next step after God gave us these laws, right? He gave us these rules. He said, follow them. Uh, He has a way for us to get back right to them. And he also realized that there wasn't a single one of us that could do it. So he sends Jesus. And Jesus comes, and Jesus lived that righteous life. And now because he did it, he fulfilled it. See, at this point when he's talking to them, he hadn't fulfilled it yet. He was saying, I'm going to fulfill it. But now in our point, in our life, he has fulfilled that, right? He has lived that righteous life. And because he did it, once and for all, sin has been conquered. So when we come down and make a choice to follow God, to follow Jesus, and to say, yes, I'm going to live that in my life, right? In an instant, our hearts are covered by his righteousness. So we don't have to have that perfect vision. I'm sorry, not that perfect. We don't have to have that perfect life. (laughs) We do want the perfect vision. We don't have to have that perfect life. It's okay when we mess up. I mean, it's not okay. We want to try and fix it, right? I got to go back and pick up those bowling shoes, right? You got to do those things. But Jesus's righteousness covers everything. We have to remember that. Now, the, the tricky part in that is sometimes we can kind of become a little complacent, right? We're like, oh, well, I already, uh, yeah, I messed up, but he's got this covered, right? 
And so I think those are the times where we really start going back to the pharisaical kind of thing, right? Like we're just worrying about, okay, I'm covered, so I'm good. I don't have to worry about it. But we need to take our authentic relationship with God to that level where we are saying, I am going to keep pursuing that. Even when I mess up, even if I have to go back and fix it, no matter what happens in my life, I am going to keep trying to become more and more righteous every single day like my heavenly creator that I'm made in the image of is righteous. And it takes a lifetime. So we're covered in that instant when we come down and we make those types of decisions to say, yes, God, I'm gonna follow you. Yes, Jesus, you are the way, right? We're covered by that. But then we have to keep working at it. It's not done in that moment. And we can't let any of those guilty feelings, when we get in those modes where we start to feel phony or fake or maybe I'm just not good enough, we, we can't let that get in the way. We have to stomp that down and tell Satan to shut his mouth, right? <laughs> so we have, uh, really, I think, I look at this and I feel like we have three different choices when it comes to authenticity. The first one is what I was just talking about, right? You're in uh, practicing faith. It's, it's you have the hope. We have this action. Even when no one else is looking, right? That's one of the things where we can look back and see, are, am I really in that? Is if, if I do it just when everyone's around, it's one thing. But then when nobody's there and I'm there, it's just me and God. Am I still doing it, right? Now, at the other end of the spectrum, I think within this uh, realm is... Sometimes we can just use words, right? We're really good about talking about it. I can get up here, I can give you the sermon, I can say all this, but then if I go back to, uh, you know, my quiet time and I'm just like, eh, you know, like, I don't need, then I'm not, I'm not real, right? And the thing is, sometimes when we get locked in these places where we're really good at talking about it and using the words, one thing we have to realize is in those moments, our belief, it's not really belief at all. You don't believe anything. You're pretending like you believe something. And it's hard when we get stuck there. Because you can say what you want, but those actions, they reveal your heart. And we need to use that to look back and say, where am I at? And how do I fix it? Or how do I let God fix it? Now, there's another choice. I think sometimes we even go so far as to not just talk about it, but we also practice it. Right? So we're kind of going through the motions. But there's no real relationship there. And see, I kind of think when we get into this place, we're really in the worst choice because you're kind of neither like hot or cold, right? You're in that lukewarm place that he's talking about in Revelation. If you, if you read into that uh, section, I think it's Revelation 7. Um, and you know what God says about that. He's going to spit that out. I don't want that. I don't know you. I don't know who you are, right? So we need to avoid not just talking about it, not just practicing it, stomping around, right? But actually having it inside our heart. And so the question becomes, what will you choose? See, I was thinking about this. I know we talked about uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount with, uh, in Matthew, but I was thinking about this too because I was looking at uh, Ezra and Nehemiah in our Riverview groups, right? And there's some really awesome things that they're doing in this uh, uh, passage of the Bible. They're dabbling with their authenticity though. And I, I wanna explain what I mean by that. Is so they, they start rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem, right? This is their, their hub. This is where they come to meet God. This is how they can do all those things that they atone uh, for their sins there, right? So they start getting that back in place. 
they continued on. They started focusing on scripture and doing it as a community coming together. Like, we really need to know the word. We really need to have it uh, in our heads and moving forward. They even moved on to rebuilding the city wall, right? And they're doing all these amazing, wonderful things. But I'm going to tell you guys, there was something missing. See, I know that because if, you, if you're following right along with the review groups, we're up to Nehemiah 12. Tomorrow's Nehemiah 13, and I read ahead. And the problem is Nehemiah leaves for a little while, several years. I, I think it's like 12. Please don't quote me on that, though. And then he comes back to Jerusalem. All of a sudden, he's looking around in the temple that they rebuilt. It's not really being kept up. They're not... They're not doing things the way that they're supposed to do in the temple. The scriptures, they're not really following them. This, this area that they tried to set apart and say is going to be our new city, they're not really keeping up with it. The, the, the peace uh, is, is kind of dissipating. And so they allowed this place to become less than what it was supposed to be. So here's where I go with that. When we are getting into an authentic relationship with God, we have to take the time to really build in things into our lives so that we're not just doing it for a little while. It's an always and forever thing, right? We've got to look at how to make it so that 12 years down the line, we haven't cast all that aside and it's gone. You see, years ago, I was in a youth group at my church and we went to all these different um, uh, events where we heard speakers, and they talked about things like this. We heard, uh, or I'm sorry, we did service projects, so we, we did the uh, action. We got that hope. We had the action, and it meant a lot to me, and I look back on some of those things. They've got me to where I'm at now, but during that time, there was a lot of the youth group kids that I went to all those things with who now are no longer with the church. For me, that's hurtful because I, I start looking back and I'm like, did I do enough? Was I, was I the right person? Did I help them to not continue on with it? Like, where was it? But as I really look at some of the actions, I can actually start making some correlations to the people who were, I'm sorry, the kids in youth group who were really trying to like learn God's word. Yeah, they messed up but they were trying to learn God's word and know it, some of those are the ones that are still with the church. Now, some of the kids that came in and they just did the stuff, right? I'm just gonna be here at youth group night. I'm gonna go to the service project, wash some cars or whatever, but I'm kind of gonna do it the way I want and you know, not really have the best attitude. The pattern kind of shows those are the ones that aren't really here now, right? There's an authenticity involved when we look back. and We have to take a clear, honest look at that with God to say, am I doing the right things that are going to not only affect me for the long haul, but the community, right? And I look back and I feel bad. I feel great about what God did for me, but it hurts. It breaks my heart that it, I couldn't have done more to expand that out to some of my friends so that they would have what I have now. And one of the reasons I wanted to tell us this story today is because church, 
Riverview Christian Church, I'm talking to you guys right now. We're on a precipice, right? We've been getting into this really great space. We've been doing a lot of the good things, right? We're, we're forming, we're organizing, we're, more people are coming in, we're seeing new faces, right? We're in a great place, kind of like the uh, Israelites in Ezra and Nehemiah, right? But if we don't really, really truly make it authentic in each and every one of our personal lives, 10 years down the line, it's not, it's not going to count for as much, right? We have to ask ourselves, how far are we going to go in the practice of God's word as a community? Are we going to just do a performance, right? We set the stage up for everything to be great, act it out, and it's not really authentic? Or are we going to have a true and real relationship with God that leads to victorious leading, living, sorry, not only in our own lives, but in our community for everyone, right? So I have a couple points I just want to think about with authenticity. One thing is, you can guarantee our authenticity is going to be tested, Okay? We can do all the right things. We can get in the right space. But at some point, God is going to say, how far are you going to go, right? He's going to come in. He's going to allow things to happen that we're going to say, no, are we going to stick to this? Are we going to do it? Are we going to be righteous as a community or not? He's going to do that because he wants us to be authentic. But he wants us to realize we're going to be tested in that and we got to stick to the long haul. Another thing is we have to realize that authentic leaders do not automatically create authentic followers, right? Look at Ezra and Nehemiah. I really think some of those guys that came back, Ezra, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, uh, I think the other one was Joshua. I was supposed to look that up before I came, but I forgot that one. Um, but they, they came back. They're doing all these great things. They're setting it up, right? And they, and they wanted it passionately. If you also read in the Nehemiah 13, uh, Nehemiah, when he comes back, he's mad. He's like, he's like, uh, beating people up and pulling out hair and stuff. Like, fortunately, Pastor John doesn't do that. I mean, he can't get my hair, but, um, you know, fortunately, we don't have a leader like that. But their authenticity for how strong they feel about their faith doesn't automatically give somebody else that faith. I want my kids to have an authentic faith, but I can't give it to them. They're going to have to work with God alone to do that. They're not covered by my Right, right? They're covered by Jesus's. I hope that I want them to know that, but they're not covered by mine. They don't get authentic relationship with God because I have one. Another thing I, I really want to, I think I kind of already touched into this, but I really want us to think that being an authentic people, it's really a community responsibility, Right? There's times where we're going to have to speak into each other's lives. There's times where we're going to have to get close enough to be able to speak into one, one another's lives, right? It's not just, okay, I'm going to let uh, my dad out there flounder, right? Yeah, be authentic. No, if he's doing something he shouldn't be, like Aaron, you know, with the, the bowling shoes, you know, I'm going to tell him. I've got to tell him. It's not just on that individual. We've got to do that. I think if we get that concept into our head and our heart better as a community, then 10 years down the line, we're not only going to not be looking at all the people that aren't there anymore, we're going to be looking at a lot more people that are part of 
this, this amazing vision, right? An authentic community. And, and along with that is we have to remember that authenticity produces results and it's measurable, right? If we start looking back at some of the things uh, that we've done to lead up to this point, we can actually see where we were falling short, right? And, and with that in our heads, when we're looking at wanting to do it better in the future, right, we've got to make some goals. We've got to say, here's how we're going to do it. Here's what I think is going to take to get there so that we can say, did we get there or not, right? But it is uh, measurable. And, and I think the scripture really puts this into our head in a lot of different ways. If you look in Ezekiel, at one point he says, what good is a vine that doesn't grow fruit? Uh, in Mark, we hear the words, what good is salt if it doesn't have any flavor? And throughout all of Scripture, we just have to hear there's this concept of what good is a servant who isn't serving God authentically? But just to come back to the heart of everything that this relates to, I want to just uh, say this last thing about authenticity. Authentic believers of God and Jesus They don't just practice rules. They follow in his footsteps in God's ways. And that is an invitation when we start doing it. It's an invitation into a relationship. We we can't allow rules to be the source of our identity. We need to let the personal relationship be that, the source of our identity. So we're going to... in, in the spirit of that, I want you guys get your get your cups out here. We're going to take communion. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians 11 when Paul's reflecting back and talking about communion, and he makes this statement. It says, examine yourselves, and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. And so today, we're going to take communion, but I want us to think about that. I want us to, to really look at our lives as we're, as we're doing this. And in a moment, we're going to play a song. And I want, I, want to, I want you guys to talk to God, not me. I mean, it's great if we talk about it as a community, but I want you to talk to God and think that through. Um, examine yourselves. Where are you at? It might be a whole life kind of thing. It might only be a certain area. Maybe there's something you're not quite giving over to him, and you need to say, am I, authentic, am I authentically serving there? If you say yes, great. Move on to the next thing, because that's sort of the... The concept we always have, right? We're moving into the next area where God says, I have more for you and you can do more. And so I want you guys to be thinking about that as we take this communion and then also as we're going to be doing that song. Take out your, um, the, the bread here. And it says, and when he had given thanks to God, he broke the bread and said, this is my body that is for you. Take this in remembrance of me. Take this and eat with us today, uh, remembering Jesus' body that was broken for us. In the same way, He took the cup also, 
This one's a little trickier because of the lids. Make sure you don't spill it on yourself as you're taking it off. <laughs> but in the same way, he took the cup, the cup also, and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This blood helps represent that righteousness, right? It's covering us so that we can have a way into true hope, eternal hope. Take and, and remember God as you do this. And now for the next couple minutes, I'm going to come and pray at the end. But for the next couple minutes, um, we're going to play a song. And this song is about, it's, it's, it's about being the real thing. About, I'm sorry, it's about God being the real thing. But it's also about how we need to learn how to be authentic and real uh, in our lives as well. So listen to it. If you, uh, the altars are open. If you want to come and pray during this time as well, you may have prayed earlier. It's okay. You can pray twice. There's no rule about only praying once on, on a Sunday, okay? So, but um, I just want us, whatever it is, scribble on your notes. Some of my organization people, I know, you're going to scribble your notes down. But I want you to think about um, authenticity during that time and um, truly serving God, where he wants you to work on this. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day, and I just thank you for your ultimate good plan. I thank you that you invite us into that plan, that you invite us sinners who, who mess up, who, who sometimes pretend and, and fake and are phony, but you still say, no, I want you to be a part of that. And God, we thank you today that you draw us into that. And I pray that you can just help us as we move forward, uh, not only as individuals, but as a whole community, to show your righteousness to the world and to teach them that your son's righteousness and his sacrifice covered all the sins for all people and just help us to bring more and more people into this community all the time. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. You're dismissed.